You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. The Truth About Demons Hello and welcome to Bible Truth Feed a podcast by ChristadelphianVideo.org. Have you ever wondered what demons are? Where they originated? Where does the whole concept and idea come from? Well, you may be surprised to learn that it's probably from the Bible. So it would make sense, would it not, to examine all the occurrences of demons and devils and all such like in the Bible to find out exactly what the Bible does have to say about demons. And that's exactly what our presenter, Brother Mike Moore, does in this next episode. There's a brief introduction from Brother Mike before he starts the main feature. But I hope you learn something from this and I hope you feel inspired to search the scriptures for yourselves to learn about the truth about the message from God. Have you ever played a game called Telephone before? The idea of this game is that each person is sitting in a line and you try to pass a message from one person all the way down to the last person in the line. Well, if you've played this game before, then you know that even just a few spots down the line, the message starts to not make sense anymore. And so if you're playing, you try to come up with something coherent so that you can tell the next person in line. Well, by the time you make it even just halfway down the line, the message becomes so jumbled up that the person who originally shared the message wouldn't even recognize it. That's exactly what's happened with the idea of demons in the Bible. Popular culture, even as far back as Greek mythology, would have us believe that demons are supernatural entities that are participating in a divine war. You have God and his angels on the one side, and the devil and his demons on the other side. That demons are angels that have been cast out of heaven by God, whose sole purpose is to spread evil among humanity. But if that's the case, why is there no mention of these malicious spirits in the Old Testament? And why is there so many occurrences of demons in the New Testament? And if they were so prominent in the time when Jesus was on the earth, well then why don't we see any evidence of these malicious spirits working in our lives today? Or maybe we do, and it's just that popular culture has given us an improper idea of what a demon in the Bible truly is. Join with us this week at Bible Basics webinar as we seek to uncover what the Bible really says about demons, as we find out how simple the true message of Scripture really is, and what it means for us as believers today.
do you think of when you think of a demon? Well, you're probably not alone if you're thinking of an evil spirit or a supernatural entity of evil. It probably has a scary demeanor and maybe it even has horns. Well, I think part of the reason that is, is because throughout time, demons have made an interesting character trope. It's used in mythology, in books, TV shows, and movies, and so much more. But it's not a biblical idea, not the appearance, and not even the nature of these demons. In fact, the original use of this Greek word didn't have any evil connotations whatsoever. Let's see where this appears in the Bible. In Mark chapter 1, reading at verse 32, that evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. Well, if we were to look at a concordance or a Bible dictionary, we'd see that the word demon there is the Greek word daimonia. We said that this word has no evil connotations when it was first um, devised, this Greek word. It was used of Socrates, who was an ancient Greek philosopher who was around before the time of Christ. And Socrates claimed that he had an internal demon. He had an internal oracle. And what this demon would do is if Socrates was going to do something bad, well, then that demon would speak out. And if he was to do something good, well, then it would be quiet. It's a lot like what we would consider a conscience today. In fact, consider the Greek word for happiness, eudaimonia. It's made up of two root words, eu meaning good or true, and daimonia meaning spirited. You see, this word demon, in its true sense, simply just means a spirit or a disposition. It doesn't have any evil connotations when it first came. But it's not the same idea as what we might think of as a related idea of this devil or Satan that we talked about in our intro video. We've looked at the devil and Satan in previous Bible Basics webinars, and we said that the devil, it's from the Greek word diabolos, means somebody who falsely accuses. And we looked at Satan. Satan just means an adversary, somebody who stands in your way. It's used of the Apostle Peter, it's used of Judas Iscariot, and it's even used of God. Well, if we take popular culture's idea of demons, it's like you have a missing puzzle piece. You spent all day putting this puzzle together, and at the end of the day, you go to put in that last piece, but there's a piece missing right in the center. And instead of searching for that missing piece or trying to realize that the puzzle is assembled incorrectly, you decide that you're going to take a piece of cardboard and cut out a brand new piece in order to fill that gap. That's like this idea of the devil and Satan. You arrive at the conclusion that there's a supernatural tempter and the idea, the biblical idea of demons no longer fits with that understanding. So instead of realizing the issue, what happens is that this idea of demons as being evil spirits gets introduced in order to fill that gap. But like we do at Bible Basics webinar, let's dive into the scriptures to see what the Bible truly tells us about this subject. Let's start in the Old Testament. We said that in the, in, the, uh, in the New Testament, that's where we looked at that verse in Mark chapter 1, we see that the negative idea of these demons starts with the Septuagint, the Greek version of the Old Testament. And if we looked up in the Septuagint where these demons occur, one of the places they occur is in Deuteronomy chapter 32. We'll start at verse 16 there. 
It says that they stirred him to jealousy, talking about the children of Israel, stirring God to jealousy with strange gods. With abominations, they provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons that were no gods, to gods they had never known, to new gods that had come recently, whom your fathers had never dreaded. You see, instead of making sacrifices to God, the children of Israel are making these sacrifices to demons. It says that they were strange gods, gods they had never known, new gods that were so new that their fathers didn't even hear about them before. You see, when Israel came into contact with these other nations, they took on their religion. They served demons, or as this verse tells us, they served these false gods. Psalm 106 tells us this exact same idea. Starting at verse 34, it says that the children of Israel did not destroy the people as the Lord commanded them, but they mixed with the nations and learned to do as they did. They served their idols. They sacrificed their sons and daughters to the demons. They poured out innocent blood. Thus, they became unclean by their acts. And so Israel was commanded by God to destroy the surrounding nations. They were to clean out the promised land that they had been promised, but they failed to do so. It says that they mixed with the nations and learned their religion. And instead, they learned this evil false worship. They served other idols and they sacrificed their children to these demons, to these false gods. Leviticus chapter 17 says that in verse 7, they shall no more offer their sacrifices unto devils after whom they have gone a whoring. If you're to look that up in another translation, it appears that that word devils there, it shows up as goat demons. You see that if you were to look up this word in a concordance or a Bible dictionary, it's actually most often translated as goat or kid of the goats. This was one of the false gods of the nations that Israel was worshiping that we just looked at. We're given an indication here as well that these serving of these idols was much more than just sacrificing to them. In fact, it involved immoral acts that would have enticed Israel to join in the traditions of the nations. And just one more verse in the Old Testament, in 2 Chronicles chapter 11, it says, starting at verse 14, for the Levites left their common lands and their holdings and came to Judah and Jerusalem because Jeroboam and his sons cast them out from serving as priests of the Lord. And he appointed his own priests for the high places and for the goat idols and for the calves that he had made. This verse is talking about Jeroboam. He was one of the early kings of Israel. And what he does is he sets up this new regime of false worship. He clears out God's priests and he sets up his own priests. He sets up his own places of worship and even includes these demons, these goat idols of the surrounding nations. Well, what we've done here is in just these four passages, we've actually covered every place in the Old Testament that the idea of devils or demons has showed up. And what you'll notice is that not once have we come across the idea of fallen angels. Not once have we come across the idea of servants of a supernatural tempter. But what we have seen is a lot of false gods. And there's actually a key when you're doing your Bible study here, and that's that the Bible is one big book. It might be composed of the Old Testament and the New Testament, but they're meant to be read together. You don't see new ideas showing up in the New Testament that don't have their origins in the Old Testament. And so it shouldn't surprise us that we're going to see this same idea being presented in the New Testament. 
So let's look at the New Testament, where this idea of demons occurs in the New Testament. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, in verse 1, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. We see that demons are likened unto these deceitful teachings. It's the same idea that we saw in the Old Testament as these being false gods. Demons are used of false gods and improper ways of worshiping God. It was an improper functioning in the worship. And so uh, what we're going to find is that it's also used of improper functioning of the faculties of both the body and the mind. It's used a couple different ways in the New Testament, along with this idea of being false gods. Let's look at some examples here. Matthew chapter 9, starting at verse 32, it says, As they were going away, behold, a demon-oppressed man who was mute was brought to him. When the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke, and the crowds marveled, saying, Never was anything like this seen in Israel. We have this man who had a demon, and he was mute. And when that demon was cast out, when he was healed, he was able to speak again. Matthew chapter 12 in verse 22. Then a demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him, and he healed him so that the man spoke and saw. Once again, another demon-oppressed man. This one, this individual is blind and mute. But when that demon's cast out, he's able to both see and speak. One more in Luke chapter 9. This is talking about uh, an individual son, and it says that this man comes forth out of the crowd, and he says, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. And behold, a spirit seizes him, and suddenly he cries out. It convulses him so that he foams at the mouth, and it shatters him and will hardly leave him. While he was coming, the demon threw him to the ground and convulsed him. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the boy and gave him back to his father. See, we have for us described an epileptic child. And this demon, as it were, causes the child to cry out, causes him to seize and foam at the mouth. It says in a parallel passage in Matthew chapter 18 that oftentimes it would make him fall into the fire or water. And it says in Mark chapter 9 that this individual was also deaf and mute. But when this demon is cast out, he is healed. And so in these three instances, we've seen that demons are also used of these physical ailments. We've seen an individual who is mute, an individual who's blind and mute, and an, an individual who has epilepsy and also is deaf and mute. But in particular, these are diseases that don't really have any visible signs of disease. You wouldn't be able to tell from the outset that these individuals had problems. You couldn't look at somebody and say, oh, that person is mute or that person is deaf. In contrast, there's different places in the scripture that talk about people who are sick. In contrast to these individuals who have demons. There's individuals like Peter's mother-in-law. It says that she was sick with a fever. There's Publius's father that says that he was sick with a fever and dysentery. See, these individuals were sick, and they had obvious signs that they had a disease. And you can understand how this could be tricky for these people in biblical times to understand the cause of something like blindness or epilepsy, an inability to speak, something where the person would appear normal from the outset, from the outside, but you didn't know exactly what was causing the problem. And so this idea of demon is used for these physical ailments. Well, how else is it used in the New Testament? It's also used as a figure of speech. In John chapter 7, in verse 20, 
Jesus is at the Feast of the Tabernacles, and the Jews are upset with his teaching. And Jesus asks the Jews why they want to kill him. And so they answer back, you have a demon. Who is seeking to kill you? John chapter 10 in verse 20, a similar occurrence. The Jews are once again upset with Jesus's teaching, and they say, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? It's used as a figure of speech or an expression for madness. It's like the modern day equivalent of saying, you're crazy. One more in Matthew chapter 11, this time about John the Baptist. It says that John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. He's crazy. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. See, it's also used as a figure of speech. But this passage also tells us a little bit more, and it tells us about the last way that the demon is used in the New Testament. You see, John came, and he wasn't eating, and he wasn't drinking. And these can be signs of a mental illness. You see, it's not just used as a figure of speech or an expression, but it's also used of true mental illnesses. If we come to Luke chapter 8, it says that when Jesus had stepped out on the land, there met a man from the city who had demons. For a long time, he wore no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. Jesus then asked him, what is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. We're introduced to this man, Legion, who had many demons, it says. And in a parallel passage in Mark chapter 5, it gives us a little bit more information. It says that he lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. See, Legion didn't live in a house. Instead, he lived in a cemetery. People tried to bind him, but he, they were never successful. And he would cry out and cut himself with stones. This is a, a sad description of somebody who is quite severely mentally ill. You see that mental health isn't really something that has been accepted or well understood until quite recently. Mental hospitals and asylums have been used largely up until the 1960s when sociologists thought it would be more of a barrier than it helped. And it's the same idea as it was in Bible times because this man Legion, it says that people tried to, to chain him or shackle him to keep him bound. In fact, these institutions were shut down these mental hospitals and asylums were shut down more because of the tax costs that it had on, the, uh, on individuals than a desire to help. And we can look back on these treatments with disdain, even treatments within the last century that we've talked about, and we can think that they're barbaric. But you can see how there would be so much confusion in Bible times when these people who wouldn't have understood these mental health issues back in Bible times to consider these individuals as having a demon. So what does the Bible say about demons? Well, we can see that it really doesn't say much about supernatural entities who were intent on evil. It doesn't say much about fallen angels. So what does the Bible say about demons? What is a demon in the Bible? Well, we've seen that it's talking about false gods, improper ways of worshiping God. It's about improper functioning of the faculties of the body and mind. It's talking about physical ailments, especially those that you couldn't see from the outside. It's talking of, or it's used as an expression of madness or insanity. And it's also used of true mental illnesses. It was how the people understood these complicated topics. And so if we go to the verse that we opened with in Mark chapter one, 
That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door and healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. We see there's a distinction there between those who are sick and those who were oppressed with demons. And it makes sense why there is that distinction. We've talked about those who were sick as being visibly ill and those who had demons, either some um, illness that wasn't visible or a mental illness as well. So what does this mean for us as believers today? Well, there's no Holy Spirit gifts available for us today. And we looked at that last week in our Bible Basics webinar. So unlike in Jesus's time, we probably won't see a miraculously healing of a physical or mental illness, but we can take comfort in the idea that God is always looking out for us and will provide us with whatever we need, with whatever he thinks we need. But there's also no supernatural tempter. There's no fallen angels or malicious spirits trying to trip us up. You see, it's our own human nature that does that just fine. So the nice thing about a devil is that you don't have to take any responsibility for your actions, but that's not true. And once we realize this, we can be accountable. We can recognize the need for God's word in order to change our lives. And in doing so, that should help us to make steps to trying to be able to show God's character in our lives. If you found this video helpful, then make sure to go to our website to find other Bible study materials. And also don't forget to take the quiz by using the link down below. If you take enough quizzes, you'll earn some awesome rewards as well as some very useful Bible study tools. We at Bible Basics Webinar also specialize in individual and small group Bible studies. You can text us by using the phone number that's also down in the description, as well as our email to get more information about our Zoom and in-person classes. And of course, thank you so much for watching Bible Basics Webinar, where we use the Bible to learn about God. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org. If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.